Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Walea Healthcare's Brave New Era research series recently revealed that workers are reporting increased levels of stress as they continue to work from home. Sinead Prose, the Head of Health and Wellbeing with Leia Healthcare, joins us now to discuss these research results. But Sinead, before we discuss these insights, perhaps you can tell us about your own career. Good morning, Carl. Thank you for having me. Okay, so good. I'm a nutritional scientist by training. I have worked over 20 years in, uh, in, in industry, in prevention and well-being. And so my role in Leia Healthcare as head of health and well-being is really focusing on that side of the business, which is trying to keep people out of hospital. Um, and I guess uh, to do that, we have a, a pan-Ireland a network of about 750 uh, clinicians and well-being experts uh, that we uh, that we provide those services to to companies right across Ireland, about 2,000 companies. So provide us with an insight into that role and the services that are provided in terms of that entire preventative health area. Yeah, sure. So we are really relentlessly committed, I would say, to a connected health approach. And, and what that means is to really provide the best service. You want to make sure that all of those are integrated. So they range from occupational health. So that could be remote case management or early case management right up to referral to an occupational health physician. It could be screening. So you could be screening for cholesterol, uh, diabetes risk, uh, PSA testing, uh, also delivering flu vaccines, of course, at, at the time that, that that's relevant in, 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 the, in the flu season, right up to wellness interventions. And that spans a, a whole gamut of, uh, of services from physio to dietitian to parenting experts, sleep. So really a really broad range of, 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 of services. And of course, there is an old saying that says prevention is better than cure. <laughs> Has Leia actually proven that financially? Yeah, it's a very good question. I would say we have been able to prove that financially in the area of mental health. Uh, So we would have made concerted efforts back in 2018 to completely change our, it's called EAP, so Employee Assistance Programme, to a programme that uh, gave 24-7 mental wellbeing support to our corporate clients. And that's actually also available as a benefit for all Leia Healthcare members that are over the age of 16. And what we've been able to show is that by getting that in the moment support, which is absolutely critical, and that has to be clinically governed by a a qualified psychotherapist, that it actually reduces um, people's stress so significantly, their distress, um, that it prevents them from being absent from work and helps them to go about their day. And we can actually show by using um, clinical indicators just how much that's impacted. And then, of course, you relate that uh, to what that would cost if that employee was absent um, from the workplace. And of course, I'm aware that Leia Healthcare is involved in lots of different types of research across not just your own client base, but the wider market. Talk to us about the premise behind Leia's Brave New Era research series. 
Yes, we were talking a little bit earlier about this, Carl. You know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has absolutely impacted all of our lives massively. And of course, the workplace is no exception to that. So back in July last year, we conducted the first wave of research. And at the time, we didn't know it was going to be the first wave. Um, but we really wanted to understand how the pandemic had impacted on uh, employees and employers. So it was the, the largest piece of research we've ever conducted, actually, at Lay Healthcare, with over 1,000 employees and 180 um, HR leaders and business owners to really try and get under the bonnet and understand how that's been impacted. So that first report uh, was launched in September last year, and we just completed that second wave of research and that was carried out in January, and that report was published um, last week. And that's our, our Brave New Era campaign. And of course, as part of that, you have Resilience Rising, shaping the future of work and wellbeing research. Talk to us about the outcome of that research and what it identified for you. Yes, yeah, so again, like a huge amount of insights and learning, but I think three key things, Carl, that came out of this latest research. The first one is that we're working harder and longer than we should be doing. And that's really kind of manifesting via our inability to disconnect, especially for people who are remote working. I think the second one is people are definitely saying that they're more productive, but we have to understand what that definition means. You know, productivity here means getting more done in less time. Now, that mightn't always be the most effective, but that productivity increase is actually impacting on people's happiness and, and company culture is getting a bit of a dint. And then I think the third one is that people just, this is what employees are valuing the most, they say, if we're going to have health and wellbeing strategies, they need to be tangible and they need to address what employees are really struggling with and they just want clear communication, clear, clear communication from their employers in terms of what they are supporting they were, they were really the main findings, I would say, from the research, Carol. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit now, Sinead, about stress, because it comes from many sources. Now, you mentioned that people that are working remotely, you're finding that they're working harder and they're working longer hours. But of course, they're in an unbelievable position for the past 12 months, whereby whilst they're working from home, they've had all those family pressures, kids out of school. They've been in this unbelievable environment whereby they're cocooned with all of their family members 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Is that having an impact on stress as well? Oh, you're spot on. And I mean, that's, you know, if we look at um, the first wave of research that we would have carried out in July last year, we coined the phrase the anxious norm because we could see people were getting more anxious because, of course, they didn't know what was happening with the pandemic and they felt they had to keep on, you know, listening to the news and understanding, well, of course, you know, when are the restrictions going to lift? Will my kids be going back to school in August? That still was unknown. So a lot of things that we just take for granted that we have to keep ourselves abreast and informed on. And that creates an anxiety. And I suppose the whole point in us coining that phrase, the anxious norm, was to let people know there's nothing normal about that. OK, this pandemic is putting us into a tizzy in that respect. Now come forward six months later to where we are now. 
And that's after continuing for another six months. And what we start to see is that anxiety turning into chronic stress. So whereas in July, we would have seen maybe one in three people regularly anxious, that's now increased to one to two. And it's that chronic stress that's really something that employers or people in, in themselves need to be very, very aware of and mindful of. And Sinead, I know that this is also an area that the Health and Safety Authority is very concerned about because with increased levels of stress come increased levels of prescribed medication, the side effects of which could impact people's ability to drive safely. Yeah, and it's, it, is, it is understanding what's driving that, right? So, so like you say, you know, we've just come out, we're just kind of in this other lockdown, we've just come out of parenting our kids from work again, as I say, so they're just starting to go back. And it is definitely having its toll. And I think the key thing is for employers to realise that people are actually, they are actually actively looking for their employer to set boundaries for them. What we're seeing here in the research, Carol, one in two people admitting that they're finding it really difficult to disconnect, 65% of them actually feeling like they have to log on post their working hours just to keep up. That's not good, right? So even 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 if policies aren't in place yet for a blended working um, workplace, which, which will probably start coming into play in September when the government releases its framework for remote working, and we're really looking forward to that, it is very, very important for employers to recognise those boundaries, setting expectations that that's not wanted, that is not normal, is very, very important. And we see that 22 hours a month, Carl, uh, over time, on average, uh, over the past 12 months for those working remotely. Well, Sinead, for those employees that feel the pressure of having to log back in outside of the working day, the core working day, is that pressure an internal pressure they're putting on themselves? Or is it actually a real pressure that employers are putting on them? It's really the former rather than the latter. It is an internal or a peer pressure. I don't necessarily see that coming through from the employer. It's actually, it's as a result of this idea that working from any place at any time, anywhere, gives you ultimate flexibility. And yes, that sounds great in theory, Carl, but in practice, it needs to be really, really clear what does that mean. And, you know, if those boundaries, if those expectations aren't set by the employer, the employee having all that flexibility, which is wonderful, so, you know, great, I I might need to just... You know, say again, when the kids were home, I might need to do some of the the homework with the kids in the morning. So if it's okay, I'm not going to be available for those three hours, but I'll work later. What happens is those three hours turn into four hours and turn into five hours and the employee ends up working longer. Not because the employer expects it, but more so that the employee feels that guilt that they've been given that flexibility and they have to finish their work. And Sinead, did that differ depending on the age profile of the employee and their gender? Very good point. So age profile, no, I would say. But we certainly saw, and that's, that's really well documented actually in the, in the report, uh, we did see the burden more so on the, on the shoulders of the female. 
uh, coming through this second wave of research. And we didn't really see that, Carl, in the first wave of research. Um, we saw that there was 50% more likelihood that women were going to be in a working uh, from home scenario compared to males and actually the same percentage working from the kitchen table. So not having uh, a separate office, actually kind of being part of that, of kind of the, the heart of the home and the family unit. And also 43% of women um, less likely to go and reach out for that expert help, whatever that may be. It could be a doctor, it could be a physio, um, it could be maybe some counselling or parenting expertise compared to 53% of men, much more men, more likely, significantly more likely to reach out and, and ask for that expert help. And generally, do you believe that employers are aware of the level of stress and pressure that their employees are under? And the second part of that question is, are they doing enough then on that basis to support them? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. I think it really depends on what their company culture is. I mean, what we see, Carl, is those who absolutely have well-being at the heart of their strategy are doing extremely well. They are consistently, um, you know, setting up trainings and workshops for their for their teams. So they're aware of what kind of benefits they have access to. They're engaging in wellness supports like digital gyms. They are bringing regular breaks into work. You know, there are certain policies that they've put in place uh, where they're saying this is a, a, an afternoon with no meetings, for example, no WebExes. This is desk time or team time. And um, they're also referring into occupational health, but in a in a in an in a kind of a more preventative way. So saying if you have any issues whatsoever, if you feel stressed, just reach out here to the occupational health advisor, for example. You know, don't let things manifest. So I think certainly we see those companies that have well-being at the heart of their culture are really embracing it. And I think there's others that can learn from that. I'm conscious also, Sinead, that nine out of ten employers here across the southeast employ less than ten staff. So doing and providing that toolbox of solutions may not be within their gambit from a financial perspective. But for those employers, maybe aren't doing an awful lot today to support their own staff. Where's a good starting point for them? You know what? I would say just really encourage open dialogue that costs nothing, Carol. And that they first come to their manager if they have any issue with anything. Uh, Something that could be causing them distress they may not have enough flexibility in their role that can be easily solved with a conversation with their manager. And if the company can't allow it, that costs nothing. Uh, small company, again, if they can afford to, give a company day off to their staff. Chances are, if they've been working remotely, they have, on average, worked 22 hours uh, overtime per month. One day, that's eight hours. It's a very nice acknowledgement of their hard work. And then I think it's just, you know, realizing that there's other ways that you can meet people. You can get on the phone like we are now, Carl. You know, we don't have to be sitting behind our computer chained to us and just encouraging breaks. These are all things that, you know, are really seen to be valued by employees 
and they don't cost anything. And Sinead, overall, in spite of the increased stress levels associated with remote working, did your research gauge the appetite that respondents had about continuing on with remote working or hybrid working in the longer term? Yeah, so interesting. Um, We would have seen definitely a resounding wanting a hybrid working model. I think 65% uh, of employees wanting it, 85% of employers saying they're going to bring it forward. And the biggest is being able to have some sort of legislation or some sort of agreement with the company about the right to disconnect. That was 96%. And Sinead, finally, as Head of Health and Wellbeing at Leia Healthcare, how do you see your services evolve to support staff in the workplace and working remotely over the years ahead? Yeah, I think we will continue to see more and more innovation in digital and remote delivery. And that's a good thing. That's really a good thing. I think that brings a lot greater value for money. And you can really bring that um, service to a much wider base and scale. But I do think being able to connect it all together and have that integrated uh, delivery of services, I think we'll definitely start to, uh, to see more of that, especially as we move to a blended workplace. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Sinead Prose, the Head of Health and Wellbeing with Leia Healthcare. And I'd like to thank Sinead for sharing these important research findings with us this morning. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.